Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. It's good to see you guys. My name's Ryan. If we've never met before, I get to be our youth pastor here. And Pastor Joe, I'm so impressed that you were able to start this church at 10 years old. I didn't know that fact. Uh, But today we're continuing our series called 40. And obviously it's a significant number for us as a church. This is part of our history. But also this is a significant number throughout scripture. We see 40 has really important and impactful moments and places within scripture. And today I'm gonna take you back to maybe one of the first stories you ever learned in children's church or at Sunday school. And maybe it was used by felt, you had felt board, you know, displays of this, or maybe you sang songs about it. And it's the story of Noah's Ark. And if you remember that story, this is a story where God created humanity. We messed it up rather quickly and things devolved really quickly from there. And so God says, I'm gonna send a flood and he chooses Noah to build an ark. Now it hasn't rained yet. So Noah is building an ark literally for decades and all of his neighbors are probably mocking him saying, what are you doing? What is this whole thing for? And Noah just stays faithful to God. He just says, yes, he keeps giving God his yes. And eventually as the flood gets closer, God says, okay, I wanna bring animals onto your boat. You're gonna bring a male and a female animal onto your boat of each kind. That's what we're gonna pick up in Genesis chapter seven. It says, they, this is the animals, came motivated by God into the ark with Noah, two by two. So pay attention to that phrase. We're gonna come back to it. The male and the female, just as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, God released the rain and the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life on the 17th day of the second month, on that same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the windows and floodgates of the heavens were opened. It rained on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So as we get ready for God to bring this flood, he has Noah bring the animals on two by two. And I wanna welcome you if you're watching at TCI or online community, today's message is entitled two by two. And this phrase is something that doesn't just show up in Genesis, it shows up in the New Testament as well. In fact, Jesus uses it as he sends out his disciples. Look at Mark chapter six. It says, then Jesus went around from teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over impure spirits. And I find this interesting that as a missional strategist, Jesus doesn't send out missionaries one by one. He could have covered more ground. He could have doubled his impact in terms of the amount of cities he reached by sending out his disciples one by one. But Jesus sends them out two by two. And I know this is because Jesus has a children's pastor's heart because every children's pastor and every youth pastor has used and implemented something called the buddy system. And the buddy system can save you from a lot of trouble unless you have a really bad buddy. And so- in our youth group trips, we've used the buddy system on to and from camps, and we've only lost a couple students. So it's worked generally pretty well. And uh, no, but I think this is Jesus was smart enough to know that Peter might need Andrew or, you know, so this is how it works. So he sends them out two by two, but look what he sends them out with, or maybe what he sends them without. It says, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. So Jesus seemingly sends these people out with very little. They don't have extra food in their bags. So they're gonna have to have God provide their daily bread. They don't have extra money. So they're gonna have to trust God in their calling, even without the financial security that they probably would have hoped for. The only thing God sends them out with is each other. God has a purpose for them two by two. 
each other. And this actually takes us back to the very first commission that God gave people when he created humans in Genesis chapter one. We see God created the heavens and the earth and the sky and the land and the stars and the sun and the moon and the animals that populate the earth. And about all of it, he says it was good. In fact, it says that everything God had created, it says it was good. But then in Genesis chapter two, we see something for the very first time that God creates that is not good. And that's God who's saying this. Look at Genesis chapter two, verse 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I love how Chris Hodges says this. He says, the first problem in the Bible isn't sin, it's solitude. Long before sin entered the world, God still acknowledged that something was not right. It was not good until there was communion, until there was connection. And so we see this throughout scripture that those who are different in their gender, but they are same in humanity, they come together and they form this union and it increases their ability to do the mission and the purpose that God has laid out for them. We see this, that in Proverbs, it talks about how he who finds a wife or he who, the person who finds a spouse finds a good thing, they find favor from the Lord. But this is so much bigger than just marriage. This is the idea that it is not right to go out one by one, that we are called to do life two by two, in community, in connection. And so since today we started with the animals two by two, we're gonna kind of use the animal kingdom quite a bit throughout this message to help illustrate this. And my family loves the zoo. And when I say my family, I kind of mean me. I know I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, but I'm like so giddy every time we're going to the zoo. I'm like, oh yes, you know? And I realized this a few years ago when we brought a bunch of our friends to the zoo and I was like more excited than the kids. I was like, there's the lions and there's, you know, and I'm like, oh, in 1985, they found this lion. You know, it's like, I just get really hyped up about that stuff. But then I also feel a little conflicted because the truth is those animals are confined and they are going through this thing called zoocosis, which is why they pace back and forth. It's a form of anxiety. So I'm like, this is kind of messed up that we're doing this to these animals. But then I'm like, well, they're not dead. They'd probably be dead if they were out in the wild. But then I'm like, well, just because they're alive doesn't mean they're really living. So anyways, I, this is my tension. But anyways, I get really excited when I go to the zoo with, we, uh, with my family. So we go to the zoo, but you know, I think about animals, right? And there are some animals that they are not the apex predators. They are not the ones that are hunting down others. And there are some that actually operate in what's called a herd. And the herd is this massive gathering of these animals and it provides actually quite a bit. It, they share the resources. It enables the young ones to grow up with the safety of learning how to operate within the community, but it also just offers protection to the animals themselves. And it's interesting, when you think about the way God constructed his church, he actually used the concept of ecclesia. Now, this is a Greek word that Jesus used to build a church. It was actually a secular word before Jesus used it. It wasn't one that had carried over from Judaism. It was an odd word choice almost if you were gonna think about the word for church. Ecclesia means church. It's the, where we get our modern word for church. But it, it doesn't mean sanctuary. It doesn't mean cathedral. The meaning for ecclesia is actually gathering. It's actually a congregation. So in a sense, God, as he institutes his church, creates this holy herd. Every Christian is called to be connected to a holy herd. This is what God calls us to. And I was thinking about how this plays out because the herds, they offer direction, protection, and connection. And you think about how God uses this holy herd, this church, to offer many benefits to those who are part of it. 
And today I want to kind of dive into some of that. And the first one I started to think about was this idea of protection. You know, 1 Peter 5.8 says something really, really important. And it's something that we have to be keep in our mind. It says, be alert and of sober mind. So in other words, pay attention to this. Take this seriously. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That means right now you have someone who is actively trying to take you out. You've never thought about that probably. Now, if you've lived kind of a a life that's created a lot of enemies, maybe you're very aware of that. But you have always, from the time you were young, before you were even born, you have had someone who has been trying to take you out. And he, the devil, is evil, but he is no fool. He's been doing this for a long time. He knows how to take people and destroy their lives. Jesus summed up his mission by saying he came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's trying to do to you. That's what he's trying to do to your family. And one of the easiest ways for him to do this is to pick you off and take you out of the holy herd. I wanna show you a video and I promise it looks really graphic. It looks like it's gonna get really bad. It doesn't, okay? I'm gonna give you the spoiler that it's a happy ending. But I think this is a a perfect example of what our enemy is trying to do and why God created the holy herd. Let's go ahead and check it out. Actually, like when I first started watching this and I didn't know how I was going to know, I was like, it's pretty wild. And yet I think actually that's maybe the most appropriate picture of what's actually happening right now in the spirit realm. That the enemy is actively trying to take people out. And, you know, I think back on my life and I think even where I'm at today, I, I still need people in my life who can hold me accountable Because I need people who can say, hey, Ryan, you're starting to drift. You're starting to get isolated. You're starting to do the things that are going to leave you susceptible to the enemy destroying your life. It's becoming easy prey. And I'm so thankful for our pastors. You know, even if you think about the words God used to implement leadership in his church, he chose the words like pastor, which means shepherd or herdsman. Now, personally, I wish he would have chosen things like emperor because then I could have been like the youth emperor. And I feel like that would have been pretty cool. You know, um, but he chose pastor. 
It's people who are herdsmen. In fact, Peter in the same letter says, pastors, I want you to watch over the flock in your care. I want you to care for them and shepherd them. And this is part of why we are a part of this holy herd is there's protection. But it's not just protection. I believe there's also multiplication. I love this concept of two by two because I think two makes more than you. Or in other words, two multiplies you. There's this famous scripture within the Bible where it says, one, if one puts 1,000 to flight, then two will put 10,000 to flight. And I find it interesting because I would have guessed if you were gonna do the math that two people that can both put 1,000 to flight, put them together and you get 2,000. But instead, when you put two people who can do 1,000, it put, put them together, it turns into 10,000. Why? There's an exponential nature to how our community works. There's an exponential nature that somehow the whole becomes greater than the sum of the parts. And I genuinely believe that God has created a destiny for every person in this room, that you have a purpose that is not only worth living, but is worth living well, doing it well. And yet, if your vision for your life only is something that you can accomplish in your own power, you are dreaming way smaller than God is for you. God will only give you a vision that you can accomplish through other people. So if you wanna find and live your purpose, then you have to find and live with people. This is the way God grows you, stretches you, multiplies your impact. And I think about even 40 years as a church, how God has been doing this collectively. In preparation for 40 years, we've been doing a little bit of research and trying to figure out, man, what is, what's been happening over 40 years? And one thing we came across is how many people have gotten saved at Believer's Church since its inception in 1983. And you know what's crazy? In 40 years, we've seen 83,000 people come to Christ right here at Believer's Church. I think that's worth celebrating, right? And pastors Joe and Gina would be the first to tell you that is so much bigger than one person. All of us who have been a part of that in some way, shape, or form have contributed to something that is so much greater than anything we could do on our own. Let's go back to the animal kingdom. Think about the little termite, right? Just this tiny little insect. Like if you've seen them in your house, you're not excited about it. But if you see them somewhere else, yeah, that's cool. And this little tiny termite, have you ever seen termite mounds? There's some that are called cathedrals. They have a picture of it. Some of them get up to 16 feet high. These massive structures. And these are incredible engineers, these termites. They create areas for wind flow. So they have some AC. They collect condensation for water. They even have little fungi gardens that they'll use to grow things. It's crazy what they're doing. They're taking sticks and mud and feces and they're creating these houses. And yet, if you think about it, the average colony of a termite is totally, it weighs about in total about 33 pounds. If you put all the termites on a scale, weigh about 33 pounds. But some of these structures reach one metric ton, which is about 550 pounds. How are they able to do it? They're able to do it through the power of we. We is greater than me. And I'm convinced that this is how God operates, that if you want to live a life worth living, if you want to leave a legacy, you will never be able to do it on your own in isolation. Much to the contrary of what our culture will tell us, that, oh, just be an independent, just, just be an individual. We need to be individuals that are interdependent. I saw this uh, illustration from a, a musical artist, his name's Torrin Wells, and he, he painted a picture really beautifully, and I want to show it to you in just a second. So I'm actually going to have Frank come out, and he's going to bring out a guitar for us. And, um, you know, many of us have played music. And so, but if you haven't, 
I want to kind of show you the structure of a guitar. So the guitar has many parts. There's a lot of things we could go into, but here's the main things you need to know. There's a head stock here, or it's also known as the head. And then there's this part here, which is called the body. Now, the strings right here are the things that truly, that's where the money's made. This is, the strings are the thing that enable us to make the music. But if you only have strings that are connected to the head, but not connected down to the body, then these strings will never make you any music or not any music worth listening to. The reason that these strings are able to help you create music is because not only are they connected to the head, they are also connected to the body. Now, you're pulling these strings in ways you probably wouldn't naturally see them fall if gravity had its way. What's not what's most comfortable, they're stretched, they're pulled, they're locked in. But I'll tell you what, they are, when you play them, well, not when I play them, when Frank plays them, they're gonna sound good. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what so many of us are like in our walk with God. We love God. And I've heard this so many times. Oh man, I love God. Yeah, no, I'm not super into church, but I love God. And I think, okay, great. You're connected to the head, but you're not connected to the body. And you will never play the beautiful music that God has called you to play. You will never have that incredible song that God has made your life to sing because you are connected here, but you're not connected here. And yes, it might stretch you a little bit. And yes, it might push you in a direction you wouldn't have otherwise gone. And yes, it might lock you into commitments you wouldn't have otherwise made. But I'll tell you what, that you will never be who God has called you to be unless you're connected to the head and the body. And by the way, he's the one that made the analogy of head and body. Jesus is the head and the church is his body. So I'm all for podcasts. I'm all for listening to YouTube sermons from preachers who are far away. I do it myself. But if you are not connected to the body, then you are not connected to your purpose, period. And so this is the analogy. Thank you, Frank. Go ahead. If we are going to be who God has called us to be, we have to be surrounded by a greater we. There has to be something that draws us to that place. And I tell students this a lot whenever I'm sitting down with them or, or I'm telling them, look, you are the average of your five closest friends, period. So do you like the direction they're going? Because that's where you're going. And if your five closest friends aren't taking you further into the image of who God created you to be, then maybe you need to reconsider who gets in that inner circle. So the next thing I love about what we see from the church, the holy herd, so to speak, is that to take care of others. There's a care element to the herd. I want to show you another video here, and this one's of some turtles, and they are not attacking anything, so it's good. So go ahead and watch this video. I'll play kitten videos next week, okay? Um, this is a perfect illustration of Ecclesiastes 4.9, which says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There are just some seasons to following Jesus that are not easy, period. They are going to be difficult. If you're doing it right, it will cost you. <laughs> if you're following Jesus right, it's going to hurt sometimes. If you're following Jesus right, it will take you beyond what is comfortable. 
And that is why we need others. I'll never forget a season of my life where I was struggling in my faith. I was doubting. And I wasn't doubting God, I was doubting myself. You ever had those moments where you think, yeah, God, I trust that you're pretty good. I trust that you got it all figured out. It's me that I'm worried about. And I I was so discouraged. I was at this point where I just thought, you know what? This is just so hard. I'm pretty sure God chose me as a backup, but I'm failing. And and God, I just really want to throw in the towel. And I'll never forget, I was sitting across from my dad and we were having a conversation. And I was telling him just some of the things I was going through. And he said, Ryan, I can tell right now that your faith is struggling. You're struggling in your faith. But what he said next, I'll never forget. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have faith for you. And you just hold on to me. Someday you'll have faith for yourself. But until then, you just hold on to me and I'll have faith for you. And I'll never forget that because I can tell you, I would not be doing what God has called me to do right now if it were not for those conversations. Those moments where my dad just encouraged me and he wasn't the only one. God would use so many people from this holy herd to pick me up, to help me keep going. We need encouragement. I love what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we sent Timothy to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. We need people who can encourage us. What is encouragement? It's putting courage in someone. And like we said, following Jesus is the good way, but it is not always the easy way. By the way, whether you follow Jesus or not, life will not always be easy. And you need people who can put courage on the inside of you to keep going when you don't feel like it, to stay committed even when it costs you. We need people who can put courage inside of us to believe even when we feel like we're barely holding on. This is the holy herd. This is what God has called us to. And you know, as I was thinking about you guys today, as I was praying over this message, I had this verse that kind of came to my mind and I, I want to finish with this. It's out of Psalm 68. And it says this, that God is the father to the fatherless. He's the defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. I know we don't have it on the screen, but I hope it gets in your heart. This idea that God is a father to the fatherless. And I don't know what your earthly dad was like. I know that probably a lot of how you see God has to do with how you see your dad but I will say this, that God is ready to be a father to those who feel like they haven't had that father. Or maybe your father's just been imperfect. Join the club. I know my kids someday will say, my dad was very imperfect. God is a father to the fatherless. God is, he is there for the widow. He is a strong person for the widow. Maybe you feel like you're a widow who hasn't had that person on the other side of the kitchen table for a long time but I want you to know that you are not without family, that you have a family. And maybe you're that person who is lonely. If, if, if what we're seeing in our culture is any indication of how our internal being is, there are many people that maybe know a lot of people, but are very lonely. And God places the lonely in families. So how do, we, how do we walk in this? How do we respond to God's pull in our heart to become the holy herd There's so many amazing ways that God works to build relationships with 
people in his church. I mean, literally, I, one of the things I tell students all the time is get involved on our dream team. Get involved on our dream team because I need you to not just be around me. I need you not just to be around our youth leaders. I need you to be around other adults. I need you to be around other people, grandmas who are gonna pray for you and make you cookies. I need you to be around like all these people that just are just gonna care about you and love you and show you what it looks like to live in the hurt. But one really practical way that all of us can do this is not to just get in the dream team, which I'm, I really believe this is a great place to find community but it's also through connect groups. And this weekend, we're gonna go out here. We're gonna see people in connect group t-shirts and we're gonna be handed these little papers and we're gonna look on our church center app and see all these different groups and we're gonna watch funny videos about it. And the reason that those exist is because we recognize that the practical pathway to community is just chances to hang out with other people. And so maybe, yeah, you go into a group because I need to learn how to grieve. Or maybe you go into a group because like, I just like sewing. Whatever it may be, those are part of what is happening there. But really the underlying foundation of all of it is that you are beginning to build relationships with people. And this is what I love about the church. We did it today in communion, right? It said, Jesus said, my body is broken so that you could be made whole. That's true of our physical bodies, but it's also true of our physical body that Jesus was broken so that all of us from a different races and tribes and ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses and different backgrounds and walks of life so that we could, from different walks of life, do life together. We could walk through life together. That those who are many become one. We become whole because Jesus was broken. We may not be related by blood, but we are related by the blood of Christ. And it enables us to have reconciliation where there has been trespass. It enables us to forgive where there has been wrongdoing. It enables us to encourage and to call out and to see the best and walk in unity where there is diversity. This is the call of God for his church. And today you get to take even just a small step in that direction. And so maybe not everybody in your group becomes your lifelong friends, but there may be that person in that one group that you go through one time that 70 years from now, you are still connecting with because they are a part of God's plan for your life. Maybe you need to jump into that freedom group. Maybe you need to jump into that recovery group. Maybe you need to just jump into a group, period. But God has called you to be a part of this holy herd. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray to you. And I just say that you are the head of this church and I think you're doing a pretty good job. I thank you for the incredible people that you have raised up and they are a part of your body. They all have a different part to play, but you're assigning them different things that they can do. And I just pray that you would inside of us, give us a love for one another that is so out of this world that people are pointed to something that is so beyond this world. I pray that you would transform us. And when people irritate us, which is bound to happen, and when their imperfections show, I'm praying that you would show us how to walk in unity in the midst of our diversity. As you stay in this attitude of prayer for just one more moment, I wanna invite you, if you've never before entered in, I wanna invite you to enter into the family of God. Jesus used an interesting analogy when talking about eternal life. He didn't just say you could live forever. He talked actually about being born again by the spirit of God. And being born again, he actually calls being born again into the family of God. 
And this really amazing thing that God doesn't just become your savior, that God actually becomes your father. You become a child of God, a son or daughter of God. You get his inheritance. You're a part of his family line now. But the way to enter into this is through faith. It's not through performance. It's not through having everything figured out and perfect. It's about putting your faith, your allegiance, your trust in Jesus. So we're gonna pray a prayer. It's just a simple prayer, but it's a prayer that offers this faith we're experiencing in our heart. And it says, God, I'm choosing to trust you. And here's what the Bible promises. It says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're ready to be brought into the family of God, I don't care if you're watching at TCI, if you're watching online, I don't care where you are. If you're here in the building and you know that God is calling you to himself, I want you to know he's prepared you for this moment to be brought into his family because he loves you more than you would ever possibly imagine. So we're gonna pray together and I'm gonna ask everyone to pray with me so that no one's praying alone. But if this is you, I want you to say it from your heart and know that God is transforming you. He's doing a miracle as we speak. Say this church, say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I make a decision to follow you. Jesus, I believe you're God. You died for my sins. You rose to life again so I could have life with you. I repent of my ways. I turn to you. Jesus, you're the king of all creation and the Lord of my life. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.